This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. For years, I was so fed up with shampoo, I just stopped washing my hair. I quit completely. I was so sick of poofy, frizzy, limp hair, distorting my natural oils. Until a few months ago, I found modern mammals and it changed everything. And by the way, right now you can visit modernmammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. So check that out. So look, I heard about this through the podcast and before I agreed to advertise, they sent it to me and I was reluctant. But let me tell you, I should not have been. This stuff is absolutely magical. My hair felt better, smelled way better, and most importantly, looked better. And I know it will do the same for you as well. It doesn't have those hair-ruining chemicals like other products, and it doesn't leave any leftover residues. It works. Don't believe me? Go read their awesome reviews online as well. Go to ModernMammals.com and use code LSS for 10% off. Again, that's ModernMammals.com for 10% off with promo code LSS. Don't forget to use our promo code LSS so they know we sent you. What's up, everybody? Shout out to my sinners. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Welcome to another episode of Lead Singer Syndrome. Yes, I am your host as always, Shane Told. So good to have you on this fine Tuesday. As I record this, I am in beautiful Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. What an underrated city. One of my favorite places in America. I am on tour with my band Silverstein. We're just three shows in right now to our 15-year anniversary of our first album, When Brokes is Easily Fixed. It has been so much fun already. Shout out to all my sinners who have come by, who have said hello. Nice to see y'all, of course. If you haven't got tickets for this tour, check it out right now, whenbrokenisEasilyFixed.com. We also got Hawthorne Heights killing it every night, As Cities Burn, this newer band called Capstan, who are amazing. It is not to be missed, and it's going all over North America. So, again, get your tickets now. Don't miss out. Tonight's sold out in Pittsburgh. New York is sold out. Anaheim sold out. Toronto sold out. Actually, we added a second show in Toronto. So check that out. It is not to be missed. Before we get into that, something a little more serious. If you're like me, you're probably devastated by the wildfires in California right now. You're probably sitting in your car, at your house, or at your work, listening to this podcast and thinking to yourself, how can I help? How can I help those people who've lost their house, who don't have a car, or even a place to work anymore? Well, it's the giving season, and I think if we mobilize our efforts, all of you sinners can actually do some good here. Here's how this is going to work. I'd like us to donate to the California Community Foundation and their Wildfire Relief Fund. Grants from the Wildfire Relief Fund have supported those who were displaced or lost housing, belongings, and or employment, 
or suffered physical or mental health problems. They've helped to rebuild homes, provide case management services, basic needs assistance, mental health service, and financial assistance. They've also helped provide respiratory equipment and information to people with lung disease, and they've educated homeowners about green rebuilding and provided disaster preparedness information. You can donate to them at calfund.org. That's C-A-L-F-U-N-D.org. I know for all our sinners, donating to help others is enough. But I'd like to reward those who donate between now and the end of the year. So here's how it will work. After you donate at calfund.org, forward your proof of donation to sinnersforgood at gmail.com. That's S-Y-N-N-E-R-S, the number four, G-O-O-D, at gmail.com. A minimum donation of $10 will enter you into a random weekly drawing to be hate-lined or complimented by one of our members of the All Access Club. A $25 donation will guarantee you a hate-line or compliment of your very own. Just include whether or not you actually want to be hate-lined, along with proof of donation. Every week, I will update how much money we've donated on this podcast, as well as read the names of those sinners who graciously donated. If we hit our goal of $5,000 as a group, one lucky winner will get to co-host an episode of this show alongside yours truly. Or... If you don't want to be on the air, if you don't want to talk to me and another lead singer, and pick our brains and ask us some questions, I will write a song for you, about you, about whatever you want. And if we hit the next goal of $10,000, there will be three lucky winners drawn from a list of the names of people who donated. Again, go to calfund.org to donate and send proof of your donation of at least $10 to sinnersforgood at gmail.com. Okay, thanks for listening to that. I really hope you can donate. This week's episode is a good one. I talked to a very, very old friend, Mr. Liam Cormier of Cancer Bats, one of the kindest, gentlest, sweetest guys you'll ever meet. Long, long overdue was this chat. So I just hit record, and this is what it is. There's no editing here at all. This is just me and Liam sitting in a green room in Europe, chatting away about everything. I hope you enjoy it. This is as raw and as fly on the wall as you get, which I think is the beauty of this podcast. So sit back, have a listen, and here's my conversation with Liam Cormier of the Cancer Bats. Yo, yo, what's up, dude? This is nice, man. We're on a very comfortable. Couch. We're, we're like almost cuddling. We're it's a little like a little close. No, it's not even close enough. Oh, you we're just now, got closer. We're skin to skin. <laughs> um, dude, thanks for coming on my podcast. It's been a long time coming. We're both from Toronto. Yes. Um, we're both from the same scene. Yes. Like we met in the year 1999 or 2000. <sighs> Something like that, yeah. At like a jerk circus show. <laughs> Maybe. In the, in the could've, pine room. Could've or we could have just been watching show. Full Blast. 
Could have been. Could have been a, a number of different bands. But Vincent Black Shadow? It could have been when I was ripping with Vincent Black Shadow. Yes. But the thing that I think is really interesting, we've known each other for a really long time, and yet this is the first time I've had you on the show. Had me on your show. <laughs> this is great. This is perfect. That was see, my joke. That's I see what, what I you doing. did there. No, I was thinking to myself, the people that have maybe not heard this before are going to be a bit confused. I know. I like it. That's where I'm Maybe this like... is when I pass the baton on to you and you Whoa, can do this thing every week. And I become a podcastman. And you can spend 15 <laughs> to 20 hours of your week hating your life. No, I'm kidding. I love it. I love every minute of this. Um, I mean, for me, I always think about things like that. It's like when you see somebody do something cool. You know, like a piece of art or like a zine, and you're like, "Yo, I should do that. That's a really good idea." Yeah, and then you're like, "I'm not going to do that." Right? Like um, it's it's a it can be a lot of work, and yeah, and I I didn't really foresee this thing going this long. This like we're over 150 episodes. Really? I say we, me. I'm over 150 <laughs> episodes. We. But, you know, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like you just started, and you think, "Oh, I'll talk to my friends," and then. Yeah. Then all of a sudden there's like a fan club and, you know, people really care about this. And I don't have this thing up on Tuesday morning. People like lose their fucking minds. You know, <laughs> where's the podcast? But that's where's awesome. the show this week. Yeah. That's good though too when you have sort of outside like responsibilities. Right. You know, but I think of it like in that same way that like you don't start a band or like, again, do a piece of art. You don't do any of those things originally because you're like, oh, maybe I'll do 150 of these. You're like, no, I'm going to do this because it's fun. Right. Because it'll be a cool thing to do. And I'm like, you know, interested in it enough. And then when people gravitate towards it, you're like, oh, maybe this is a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have. Like, that's how Cancer Bats started. Well, you have, I mean, Cancer Bats also Treadwell. Yeah, Treadwell Clothing. Your clothing company. A thousand percent. Right. That's that's probably. silly. That's probably more akin to this me with this podcast and you with, with, uh, you know, your clothing brand and, you know, you're a motorcycle enthusiast. Yeah. Yeah. Came out of, I guess, the like, I'm sure in the same way when you're like backstage. Mm-hmm. Or you're like waiting around in a van for six and seven hours to get somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And you're like, I need to do something outside of just this. I need to have like another thing that also like I can be creative and takes my time and like yeah. I can put my energies into. Because at a certain point, our bands are like relatively like there's work to do, mm-hmm. you know, but you're kind of like it's a little bit on autopilot. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, it's, there's you're, there's there's less of the like, oh, we're gonna put a record out and then people are gonna come to the show and it's gonna be sick. Whereas, like, when you do a podcast or for me doing the clothing brand, there was like the fun side of like, I'm sure you could ask someone to do your your podcast and you never hear back from them. Oh yeah, you know, and it's yeah. like, oh, man, we haven't been told no in a really long time. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. I mean, so it's like those sides of things that are fun, and you have like new kind of like predicaments that you haven't run into in a while right well with your you know let's, let's start there we'll talk about your your clothing company side project thing you've done what did it happen the way you envisioned it to happen like because it's there's one thing when you're sitting in a dressing room like we are right now and you're like you got this idea and then you you go over and you like get the url and yeah, get the website yeah, going yeah. Right, before anything's happened yeah you set up actually the instagram be like, okay i have all this work to do and then you know how, how long has it been going now it's Three years? Yeah. Coming so, up four years? Yeah. So has it done what it you thought it would do? Uh, has it been harder than you thought? So I never th- envisioned it to be anything bigger than just a few t-shirts. Like yeah. I, I kind of thought I would just like make some shirts. And originally I was just selling the shirts to be able to like 
bought, I'm really into motorcycles. I was getting into dirt bikes, so I was like, oh, it'd be sick if I could make some money and like buy a, a dirt bike with it. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. And that was cool. like, I was just literally like, I had two t-shirt designs. I was like selling them for merch and being like, help me buy a dirt bike. Yeah, that's sick. And that's then, a great idea. Well, that's what they say. You got to start with, you know, like a small goal or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then see what and happens. It was, and it was just like, oh, I'll do that and it'll be fun. And it's just kind of like, then I also have an excuse to talk about motorcycles at merch. <laughs> and then I have an excuse to like, when I'm doing motorcycle stuff, I kind of like have a little you know, thing outside of just being like, oh yeah, I play in a band and I also ride motorcycles. It's like, oh no, I have this fun little clothing brand that I do. Absolutely. Well, you do definitely play in a band. I have for a long time. And it's uh, amazing now, you know, that, that cancer bats have been together. What we look at? Well over years. 10 years, 13 yeah, years, 13 years, now. 13 years, uh, six nuts. studio albums, um, a bunch of EPs, a bunch of other stuff as well. It's kind of crazy to think of your band as a career band. Oh, dude. Our band's called Cancer Bats. <laughs> like, that side of things is insane. And, again, like, a band born out of, like, wanting to go on tour and just play shows. Like, there was no career path. It was just, like, let's make cool art. Let's make cool merch. Totally. Like, let's make a band that we don't hear happening right now. You know, we're just like, Cursed is cool, Miyamura yeah. is cool, yeah. like there's all this like cool kind of hardcore stuff, but we could add something to that like kind of scene that's happening. We could do something that's more death and roll, like that's like, you know, Misfits meets whatever, and and then just like all of a sudden people were like, oh, this is sick. We're yeah. like actually into this, and, and I was like, oh. You know, it's cool, and well, one thing that always surprised me too was, you know, the level of mainstream success that came along with it pretty early on, you know, oh, with the yeah. Juno nominations, yeah, 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 which are like you know Canadian Grammys. Uh, I think you've been nominated three times, yeah, which is like pretty crazy for a band that has not a lot of mainstream accessibility musically. No, and we're not, yeah, we we're not like played on the radio. Well, we're, Sabotage got played on the radio, yeah, and I mean because of Sabotage. But when we first got nominated. Uh, I guess it would have been before. Oh no, maybe it was around the same time. It was 2009 when we got nominated for our first one for best. Was that best new band? No, yeah, we were five like years newcomer. in newcomer. Yeah, yeah, third yeah. album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> pretty funny. funny. But the funny thing is yeah. the Stills won it. <laughs> the Still haven't they been a band even Dude, longer? They were for like, like forever, and they won. Like I think they broke up right after they got the award too. We like, when we were not, we were also nominated for for that for Juno for best um, best new band, and we were up against uh, Bedouin Sound Clash. Oh, crazy! And they were performing. <laughs> so we go to the the Juno Awards, and it was in like a like an arena. Yeah. So you know, we get our tickets or whatever, and we don't know where the hell we're going, and. We were like in the nosebleeds, dude. Like we were nominated and we weren't even close. We're like, there's no way we're gonna win. Yeah. <laughs> this band's performing, and like, if we did win, it would take us at least ten minutes to get to the stage. <laughs> you know, uh, you're like asking it. for directions. <laughs> yeah, right. It would. It would be someone would be like, no, your tickets. You have no access down here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but but uh, I think the Juno stuff is cool though because he, like for us we never looked at it as like we we're like there's no way we're gonna win like we're against like Matt Good or we're against you know right. what I mean like we're against these like mainstream kind of rock bands but we're like for us it's just important that we're in this conversation 
of just like, oh, this is like what's happening within Canadian music. And you guys are recognizing that Monine, Alexis on Fire, Fucked Up, Cancer Bats, like this was before they had a metal category. So right. the, the fact that they were just being like, yeah, these are bands that are out there doing it. And totally, I was like, totally, totally cool. No, it doesn't matter. Like winning is great, but it doesn't really matter. It's just being oh, recognized yeah. and, and Especially in terms of the, yeah, just, and that's, that's what surprised me so much is that you were getting recognized on a mainstream level. Which yeah. For your band being about as punk as it gets. But yeah, I guess like at that, at that, but I think of like Comeback Kid, you know, like I think there's still tons of bands that don't get recognized yeah. as well. And so that was kind of also part of where we were just like, maybe we're kind of just right place, right time. But I was just like, yeah, what about all this other, like, you know, there's tons of bands yeah. that like Voivod, you know, isn't getting <laughs> recognized and they're like, <laughs> Propaganda isn't getting like recognized, but it, I don't know. It was definitely cool, and I totally. think of that as like I, I feel like there's that part of us, like Silverstein, Comeback Kid, you know, Alexis, uh, all of us that just have been making noise, and then people having to take it seriously, right? Like you yeah. can't ignore that there's people showing up to these shows, and so at a certain point, they're like the you know like the city is like yeah we should get this band to play our festival. We should get that. Like they got nominated for a Juno, we should cover them in our newspaper, you know, because like these. Yeah, things and then are it builds on happening. itself, and it and it becomes you know uh, some kind of a movement, and it, and it it was, it is, it yeah. Is. So, and uh, it's very cool. But yeah, I mean, I mean, you guys literally are. I just said it to myself, like <laughs> you guys are the most punk like punk band ever. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like, I'm completely right, <laughs> because you, literally, you guys are here, the four of you. Driving yourselves in a foreign country in Europe, which I mean, it's still the same side of the road that still we're used same to drive side on. Of the road. But it's you no. Know, mo- I'm gonna say I don't know very many other bands that do that. I, Maybe some bands from the UK will do it because they don't like they don't. They own a van. Yeah, yeah they own like a van. Driving and they, into the states. Yeah, yeah, but but to come over here and just rent a van and drive yourselves, you don't have a merch guy. You're doing merch. Uh, you don't have a tour manager. You don't have. It's just the four of you guys. We're sharing your sound guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like that's. I mean, that's the way you guys do your business and of your band. And it's, it's for a band that's been around as long as you guys. It's kind of yeah, different. I, you know. I mean, I like it too. Like we're even now we're self managed. Like mm-hmm. you know, we do a lot of like our bookings and stuff. Like Mikey books us in Canada. Like it's all still our friends, but. Yeah, I like we, you know, put a record out ourselves. So there's sometimes where we're just like, Mikey drove on our last tour. Uh, our driver got sick and um, and we had a really long drive. So we're like, dude, you just sleep. Mikey can drive stick. I can drive stick. Like, we'll just drive ourselves. It's fine. And you can rest. And then while we were driving, Mikey was like, you know what, man? Like, all those drives are really easy. Like, I can just do it. And I was like... For sure. Like, why, yeah. I'm down. Like, why don't we just do that? And then when it was all shaking down, I was like, yo, it's just going to be the four of us in the van. Yeah. Which is really sick. And we, we do tour like that still. Like, we like bringing, you know, when we go to the UK or wherever, we'll, like, bring a merch person and bring a, a sound person. But if we're just playing, like, a one-off, like, we'll drive ourselves to Quebec City, play the show, and yeah, then just drive sure. home, you know? And sure. it, I think it's, like, those sides of things that we've always just been kind of like, well, we'll just do it. We'll just figure it out. And there was talk of you playing drums for Anti Flag on this tour because I was gunning for that. Yeah, yeah because the Anti Flag's drummer Pat, who's you know been with them's original drummer, he's having a kid, so he's not here. And I guess they have their drum tech filling in, but 
the rumblings were that you were going to play two sets. I was, I was originally going to try and do that. And I was like, I've done two sets before. Like I've done like, uh, like I played drums and black lungs and then like just changed clothes and then mm-hmm, ripped a, mm-hmm. like a cancer bats headline set. Wow. And, and since, and I did a whole tour of that and I was like, Oh, I can totally do this again. Like for sure. So I was really gunning for it. And I was like, I was psyched on the idea because I'll admit, I was like, man, what is more punk than being like, yo, I just sang this Cancer Bat set. I just walk back and then get on the drums and play for Anti-Flag. I was like, that would be the It would sickest. be really sick. It would I be. I was like, it would be a vibe. And two, was, two and Justin and everyone were super into it. But logistically, obviously, like this isn't the only tour they're doing. And they don't oh, yeah, have yeah, a lot yeah. of time. So it wasn't like... Oh well, Liam's just gonna then join Anti Flag and tour right. with us for the next year because, like Pat, they're gonna go on tour in January and we're gonna tour in the UK doing a headline. You right. know what I mean? It's like we need to. Like, no, that makes sense. I didn't even yeah. think about that. I don't know how long Pat's you know taken off to and, and to raise his kid too. and stuff. But it was it was kind of like the this idea of being like, okay, well if if anything else comes up, you know what I mean? Then yeah. this guy can just jump on the drums and it's easy. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, oh, dude, this would be so... Well, a lot of people don't know you're a really accomplished drummer. I'm Dees. I can hold yeah, that down. Like, like, yeah. um, so how did you get... I mean, start, talk to me about the early days of, of Lehman... Cor- Lehman. Lehman. Lehman the Cormier. Le- Le- uh, do, you go, do you say Cormier or Cormier? Cormier. Okay, good. Yeah. Because somebody said Cormier, and I was like, I don't think so, man. That's like we're the in, American... We're, yeah, we're... We have, we're we pretty French. French. On est français, man. On peut pas la langue. <laughs> but, um, but Liam Cormier, growing up, um, I mean, talk to me about how music was in your life. Obviously, you got a drum kit at some point. Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up in a very, like, musical kind of family. Like, my dad comes from East Coast Canada, which is, like, his, like, uncles and everyone were all fiddlers and guitar players. And oh, yeah. there's always, like, that kind of music and stuff around uh, and then my dad played like drums and percussion and stuff like that. Never, I think like we never had a full kit of like my dad's, but my, he could like just like play hand drums like crazy, almost like oh, yeah? tabla style, like on the table. And okay, cool. But we didn't have any drums like at our house, so then I was always like really interested in it. So I would like make you know like drums out of like a bucket, and like then when I was fifteen, my my parents bought me a kit, and I was like yes. And I, wa- I was like, sick, I'm going to play drums, like, this is going to be the best, I'm going to play in bands, I'm so psyched. And then nobody needed a drummer. Basically, That's like... the... No one. No one's ever said that before. Everyone always needs a drummer. I know, and that was the thing, but I was like, in in Waterloo, where I grew up, they, yep. they had a shortage of, of literally singers. And I was like, I was at a punk show, actually, I was at Goldfinger, I went to go see Goldfinger, this was in 1996... And I was hanging out with my friend, 96 or 97. Where, where was the show? In Waterloo. Okay. And I was Weird hang- that they played there. Uh, they used to rip there all the time. Oh, crazy. Because one of their tour guys was from Kitchener. Oh. So he used to always just like book these killer shows. Cool. And there was like, there's like a bunch of good, because we had two universities, so we mm-hmm. had tons of shows that would happen. But uh, yeah, Goldfinger shows would always be like massive. My dad went to Waterloo. Dude, it's yeah. great. It was a great place to grow up. Uh, because of all the music, like I got to see tons of shows just cause all these university shows would happen. But, um, so yeah, so I was at Goldfinger and I was 
goofing around with my friends and I was singing along to like no effects or whatever that they were playing in between. Right. And I knew the words to like all these songs and I was just like goofing with my friends, like singing, (laughs) you know, singing linoleum. And then my friend John Hawk was just like, yo, you should sing in my punk band. And I was like, no, I'm a drummer. (laughs) And he's like, no, dude, you're really good at this. You should sing this punk band. And then I didn't end up playing it drums in a band for like six years Wow. Because I was just always singing in bands. It's crazy you were able to keep up your chops and, you know, be able to, you know, because, like, I play drums, too. Yeah. And I, I was, I, I don't know if I was ever good enough to be in a band kind of thing, but I could I could play. But now, I don't know. Now, it would be really hard because I just never play. For me, it became, I got way better at drums once Cancer Bat started because I don't know how to play guitar, but I have tons of ideas for songs. And so oh, I yeah. write songs like on drums and I have like vocals and drums and then I can like mouth riff. Right. Like, yeah. okay, I want it to be like, bound to go down, to go down, down, bound, <laughs> but then I can play that beat yeah. to go with it. So when we write Cancer Bass records, we have two drum sets set up. Cool. So then like Mikey's got his kit, I've got my kit. And then we're both just like throwing around ideas and like, then I don't have to like get him to move. Do you know what I mean? And he can just like, you guys ever done a show with two drums? No, we've talked. That'd be be tight. Yeah. We've talked about it a ton. I definitely think that's like in the future of the bats. Like that's Mm going to come up. Cause we were trying to even figure it out. Uh, even just the like fun extra drum stuff that we do with bat Sabbath. Like I have like a floor tom on stage and it's really hilarious and it's like super fun. Like children of the grave. Yeah, we do that. I do like the outro of war pigs. Like we do a bunch of like fun drum parts. I do like the drum solo with Mikey in Supernaut. Uh-huh. And it's just like it, it adds this extra layer. And I always think like visually it looks insane. Like I just look like a crazy person beating on this drum. Oh, I love like, that shit. Monia yeah. used to do that Dude, all the time. Yeah. And, and like like every time I see it, it's it's cool. And we've done it a little bit too. It it just it almost always works. Yeah. You know, it adds a cool dimension. Especially as like you kind of have done a lot of shows. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's just like for all those fans to come and see a different version of something. I think would be cool, but yeah, I want to. I want to try and maybe who knows twenty twenty. <laughs> sure, <laughs> you like, heard it here first. Well, you got the fifteen year anniversary coming up. I mean, yeah, I like you the, know you guys. I mean, I know this is my podcast, so I can talk. Yeah, about whatever yeah, you can I want. ask me whatever you want, man. Silversteiners, uh, yes, dude. Fifteen year anniversary. I like. I like that it's not just the decades. Oh yeah, we're we're well. I mean, we could do a. 15, 16 year. But that's the thing. 19 I, I find there's like, because this is such like uncharted territory that all of us are coming into. Right. Because I think this is such a new thing of being like, yo, it's the 10 year anniversary of Hail Destroyer. You know, it's the why didn't you do a whatever anniversary of this album? And then you're like, you know what? To, next year's the 15. Let's do the 15. Like, who cares? We're just celebrating and having fun. Totally. I but think, I really I liked it. Cherry, when I saw that. To, be, to be completely honest, I think that every band cherry picks what they're going to do based on what else they're doing, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if we had a new record... (laughs) Sorry, I'm getting over this cold. If we had a new record coming out right now, we wouldn't be doing a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We wouldn't be doing it. Oh, totally. You know, and we would probably end up doing, you know, maybe celebrating it in five years and doing a 20-year tour. Yeah. Or something like that, you know? So I think, you know, you you make make it work... Um, we're not going to do like a 12 year anniversary yeah, or anything, but, that's but, why I but you know, it, it, yeah. yeah, but at the same time, I, I think 
it, you're right though that, that the whole idea of an anniversary tour that's only been happening in kind of our world yeah for like five years maybe yeah like I remember the first one I heard about the big first big one was when Taking Back Sunday did a 10 year tour of their Tell All Your Friends oh, okay. which would have been 2012 oh, okay yeah 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 because before that it wasn't a thing people did and now everybody's doing yeah. it yeah because it's great well, and people, I mean, that's the thing is that like the Hail Destroyer thing came on my radar even just because I was at that Monine Red Tree. Yeah. And the amount of people that were at that show being like, why didn't you do a birthing anniversary? Like birthing the giant. And they were like, when is the Hail Destroyer one? Like what's going on? Yeah. And I was just like being bombarded with like all this nostalgia and I was like, well, we, we, I guess we're going to do it. And then I literally just like emailed Ben the next day to just be like, hey, can I put two holds on like Lee's Palace? And I was like, we're not going to try and do five nights like Monine did. But right. I was like, I think we could sell out two nights for Hale. And I was like, that'd be sick. And so that was like almost a year in advance. And did you guys, when you guys did that, did you do the record in order? We did. We did the start to finish. Isn't it? Which was funny. Isn't it cool though? Like I, I love we did when we did our stuff. We did it in order too, and we're gonna do the the next one in order. How everyone knows what's coming. Oh, that's. But there's still excitement. Yeah, it's like a different kind of um, energy. That well, because you've been like, I feel like we come from a generation of jamming albums mm-hmm. where you oh, li- totally. you listen to the whole thing. There's no like single that you're like pulling out. Maybe you make a mixtape. For a girl you like Right And sure. you use a song But you're like Used to listening to All of them in order So yeah When when I'm like jamming You know When I went to the The hate breed Satisfaction is the death of desire Like I'm like I know what's coming up next And I'm <laughs> so ready to pit to it What I have in my heart Yeah uh, <laughs> That's great I, Yeah man It was the same I saw I've seen so many good ones Like I saw Weezer do the Blue album Oh that would be which sick Which is Like I never thought And that's the thing I guess When you see a band or when you listen to a record, I mean, when it comes out or you're a kid or whatever, you never really think you're going to have an opportunity to see yeah. a band do that. So it's it just becomes – it becomes an event and it's a way us as bands that tour you know, full time can do something different at least. Yeah, So totally. it's not the same, oh, here's another set of you know, 12, 15 songs and we'll switch a couple out that we didn't do last time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is like actually a different – And it and a challenge too. For such – oh. Yeah, like going back over, I will say with, at least for us, like because Hail Destroyer was such like an important record to people, we've definitely kept up like playing a lot of those songs. Yeah, sure. So like 10 of the 12 songs we were like, we play relatively or we have played, but there was definitely like PMA, tell them DOA and Zed's Dead. We're just like, we don't play these songs. Like No, totally. <laughs> and, and like... It's funny, yeah. Like I was talking to um, Ray from Our Lady Peace, and he he they did like uh, for Clumsy twenty year oh okay twenty year for Clumsy, and he's like, "There's two songs on the record. They're horrible. I won't sing them." <laughs> and they just said, "No, we're just not doing those songs." Whoa, so you know, that's like, wild. I mean, I guess you know you at the end of the day, it's your band. You can yeah, make up the totally. rules if you want to. But uh, that's, that's funny. It is I mean, crazy, we still though. had fun though. Like definitely playing Zed's Dead. It's like that's not a song that like we we. Honestly, we rewrote that song because we like 
we were contractually obligated to do a 40 minute record. <laughs> no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like, we, we, and even, they called you out on it. Dude, they were we, like, this record better be 40 minutes. It had to be. It was like, it That's had to nuts. be. And we even had the like, uh, you know, you let the like the noise at the end. Like go. That's what I mean. That's why it's so stupid. You oh, can literally dude. just do like like um to to uh, reference Black Sabbath. Like they have that song like FX. Yeah, I think it's on Volume Four, where it's just like a song of weird sounds, weird noise, like, dude. Same yeah, with like Hot Damn. Like they have like that one like weird noise like kind of part, and they were like, it's just because we had to meet this like time criteria, and you're just like, man, talk about like art affecting or commerce affecting art. You're just like, oh, right. we have these two songs that we're just like not psyched on. I get, I like understand why a, a label a label would put like a parameter of length in, so a band doesn't deliver like a super short like record oh, totally. or a number of songs. Like I get that, but to actually be like, it better be if it's 39, 39 minutes. Like yeah, well because we won't put it out. I think part of it was that they were worried that like the I think. S- the distributors would be like, this has to be X amount of time or whatever. But everybody passing the buck. In the end, I'm like, you know, there could be like way worse situations. But I was like, oh man, Fail Destroyer was only 10 songs long, 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'd be millionaires. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's talk about, you know, uh, building a little bit on your discussion of being the punkest band ever, <laughs> putting out. Spark that moves your latest record totally yourself as a yeah. surprise, just yeah. dropping it was a bold move. Thanks. Um, do you still stand by that decision? Thousand percent. I'm gonna like, do it again. Yeah, I mean, I gotta keep people on their toes, right? But yeah, I mean, we we had such a positive experience with this, and like it was tons of hard work and it was crazy, but because it was us doing it ourselves yeah so many people pulled together and made it happen in such like an amazing like like positive like got me so stoked like we were calling literally the pressing plants to get the vinyl in time we were calling them every week to like make sure everything was on track sure and we had people from the plant being like we love cancer bats like we're gonna make sure that this happens so like not only the plant in burlington the plant yeah. in Poland was like the woman who was overseeing was like, I love your band. Like, I see you guys when you come and play in Poland. Like, I'm going to make sure that this happens. And we're like, how rad is this? Totally. Like, rad. just like goosebumps. Like, this is so sick. So all of those things that kept happening, like we went to the pressing plant in, Bur- in Burlington in our van and we picked up all the vinyl and we blew their minds. Well, they were probably so stoked because they... They're pressing records all the time. They're they're a part of the process, but they never actually get to meet anybody. Or Dude, and they were like, in. we we have never in our existence had a band show up to pick up their own records, and we were like. What, dude? Yeah, I'm surprised this never happened. Like, I think- was like, this, maybe somebody else, maybe Sloan will call me out after this. <laughs> but yeah, and we were, I just like again felt like amazing. And I'm not trying. We weren't trying to do it to be cool. We we're doing it to save money. Sure. And we we're like, we have the time. Like, Mikey and I'll just like drive out there. We'll just load up our van and then we'll bring it to Dynalone. And the sickest part was that so Dynalone and New Damage uh, helped us distro the record. 
So on this side, we like we rolled up in our van and brought the records, and then Joel Carrier, like owner of the label, yep. he helped us carry them all in, and then that in turn blew everyone's minds in the building because they were just like, "Yo, I've never seen him carry anything," <laughs> yeah, yeah. but in a really like fun <laughs> punk way that it was just like, "Whoa, this whole thing is happening," and he was just like, "Man, I'll help you carry like all this stuff," and I was like, "This is sick!" Like it, it's kind of rubbing off on everybody, just like how fun and organic. And like exciting yeah. this like whole vibe totally is. well there's so much that goes into a record I think you know that ba- the bands themselves don't really realize happens oh yeah when you just put out a label a label does it does all the little things and whatever and when you're doing it yourself completely that's now it's up to you yeah so and you must was, have learned a lot about just I mean just the music industry and yeah, how and you we, get your shit on digitally and then how royalties get paid and yeah, stuff like and that like, you probably it's probably pretty eye opening and we had had a little bit of that because we were so hands-on at Distort, uh, mm-hmm. especially with like how things were kind of going at the end where we were sort of like helping to like make sure that our records were, you know, getting out there and like kind of like helping to get like Rich Fernandez involved in the label and like yeah. people like that to like, okay, we, we really believe in this album. We should get some people on, on board. So it's not just Jen Simek doing everything herself. We're like, okay, we'll, we'll like get all these people in place and we'll do it. So we had had from DSOL, we had had a real hands-on, like we inserted all those records ourselves you know, mm-hmm. so yeah. we were still like kind of DIYing it uh, at the end of Distort as well, um, just to like kind of make sure everything was like done right and to be stoked. So that totally. was what gave us the confidence to kind of do it because we were like, ah, we've been pressing our vinyl. Like we've always pressed our own vinyl and we've always had a deal with Distort, which was really cool because he was like, I don't want to do it. So you can just press your vinyl and we'll treat it as merch. Yeah, that's great. So yeah, it's, like, it's it's amazing. Well, I mean, back in those days too, though, vinyl was it wasn't was as not big of a what deal. it is no. now. And I'm sure now any no label's going to give up those rights, dude, anymore. It, you know? it was crazy. Like when we did DSOL, we pressed four thousand copies of the LP, and the pressing people were like, "This is the biggest like vinyl order that we've done," and we were like, "What?" Like that to me was crazy. That even in 2012, how many was it? It was four thousand. It was four thousand four hundred. Was what we pressed of it. Yeah, and that was the that was like for oh, these. That's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of records. But I was like, I was surprised that that was the biggest because the only yeah, I, I was I, always looking at what Death Wish and like all these labels were doing in the states, and I was just like, well, this is just a drop in the bucket compared to like what Converge does. So in my mind, I didn't think so, it was yeah. that crazy. And then. It was like, they were like, we have, this is the first time we've ever done a 4,000. And I was like, oh. Did you sell them all? Yeah. I mean, we still have some, <laughs> we still have some left. Well, you uh, don't want to press it again. It's better to, you know, yeah, and, and, get it all and done. I was and like, then... oh, cause again, for my thing, I look at it like merch. So I was like, dude, I want to be able to sell this record, you know, for 20 bucks. Yeah. Like, I don't want it to be like crazy expensive. I want to be able to do cool things with it. I want to be able to distro it ourselves. Yeah. So I want to be able to sell it to Rotate, you know, so they can also yeah. sell it for a decent price. Rotate so, this is a record store. Yeah. Sorry. So for, yeah, sometimes people don't know. For the mom um, and pop record stores, yeah. I, I don't want them to have to sell an LP for 32 bucks because I think that's whack. Mm, totally. As a kid who wants to buy it. So I'm like, absolutely. Let's make it so these can be $18.99 yes. at a store. The vinyl prices have gone through the fucking roof. Like, I was at some. Yeah. Boom the other day and I was like just looking around poking around and it's like I can't believe it's like this record isn't there's nothing special about this record it's a black 
single record. It's not a 180 yeah. gram or anything. It's just a record. And it's like twenty seven ninety nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, that's what? the thing. We, Why? We make sure that we have colored vinyl. Like, we even, like, yeah. even in doing that, I'm like, but I, I get it sometimes because it's like when you're, you know, when you have all these people along the chain, you know, it's, this is just me calling the pressing plant and then it's me going to like the, the distributor or it's me walking in to rotate. Like, we did a tour <laughs> with DSOL where we just emailed all the record stores, all the mom and pop stores, and we're like, dude, we'll just sell you records out of the van. And everyone was like, sick. Yeah. And they would buy five copies of us and then we were just like, okay. You know, sure. We then, we used to do that too, and it's like yeah. that's once you drop all those kind of like middlemen and women outside of the chain, then it's like yeah, you can just sell them for whatever. Yeah, I remember our first tour we did. We went out to Eastern Canada, and it was it was a really bad tour. Like we played <laughs> in Fredericton, and it was like two people came. Hell yeah! You know, like like yeah, shit yeah, like yeah, that, like really really bad. Like our first time ever out there, and we were doing that. We were going into uh, record stores and being like, hey. um, you know, will you buy like our CDs for whatever? Like yeah. we'll give them to you for like four or five dollars. Yeah. You could sell them for 10 bucks. Like, and I was amazed how many record stores were like, yeah, sure. We'll take like yeah, whatever we'll take amount. 10. Yeah. yeah that, and that was, that was the thing that we were so psyched on was that like, it wasn't like a record store being like, oh, we'll take one. They were like, yeah, we'll take five. We'll yeah. We'll take 10. Like that's sick. Yeah. And I remember that from that record store in Fredericton, like years later, because it was like our EP that we only made a thousand of. Oh, cool. And that thing ended up going on eBay for like, it was like going up for hundreds of dollars for the CD. Yeah. And, uh, that's like our first And a bunch minutes. of them from eBay were. Fredericton? Like, went, it said Fredericton. <laughs> and I was like, motherfucker. I was like, they got a good deal. No, hey, that was good a... for Hey, good for them. Like, they, they deserved it. Yeah, they took that... those CDs for $4 and they turned them into 200 <laughs> well, It took them 10 years, but... That's the thing that I always like. We have that 7-inch that we did that was... We silkscreened the paper and then we cut them all out by hand. Mm-hmm. And there were a bat and the wings fold behind. And it was like just the raddest thing I thought that we could do. I was like, this is so sick. I don't care. We're going to cut them all out by hand. We would cut them out in the van. Like it took... It was such like an endeavor. Yeah. But those... Seven inches now go for like crazy money. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, but I'm not mad that I sold them all for five bucks. No. Do you know what I mean? Because at the time I was just like, oh, this is sick. And I think if I still had more, like I would still want to sell them for five bucks. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough to know what to do. Right? I mean, because I have then my... what? Then someone just buys it and flips it and then it's yeah. like, you end up being kind of a like, you know, doormat in that in that way. But what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to eBay them yourself for a hundred dollars? You can't do that. No, that's not punk, right? So we didn't have covers one time for this. Uh, we did a Black Lungs Cancer Bat split, and on a European tour, we didn't have like covers for them yet. Like the covers were delayed or whatever. So we got all the records when we were in Prague, and then uh, I sat in the van and I I went and bought a, a pornographic magazine, <laughs> and I took all the pages out of the magazine and I just wrote Cancer Bats like black lungs but I did it kind of like funny like around whatever the men or women that were in the in the magazine (laughs) and I made all these covers and I was like dude this is so sick like this is what like Das Oath did you know like in the late 90s like this is vibey it's weird it's kind of funny you know and nobody nobody was psyched (laughs) I was like putting them out on the table and people were just like what what is this 
<laughs> and I was like, limited edition covers <laughs> backfired. Oh, that's very funny. Um, so I guess we should wrap it up pretty soon, but I got a couple things I want to ask you about. The first yeah, one we got is, a gig. is, uh, we got a gig is, uh, uh, bat Sabbath. And, oh yeah. Uh, very cool project. You guys, dude, I love uh, it. Started. And I'm jealous because, well, a couple things. So I always wanted to cover Sabotage. Oh, rad. Always. I always had the idea. We always talked about it. And then, I, and then you guys did it, and I was like, damn it. <laughs> and a funny thing that a lot of people don't know is Black Sabbath is one of my favorite bands. And my old band, you mentioned Jerk Circus, we could play every Black Sabbath song. Really? We knew them all. That's anything. Wild. Well, we knew everything off like the... The greatest hits, First like four, if you yeah. can see in, uh, if you can see myself, if uh, sold myself for rock and roll, like that compilation. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. knew all of them. Yeah, so that's how we that's how we got good at playing music was learning all those Black Sabbath songs. Sick. So then when I heard about Bad Sabbath, I was like, they got it again, they did it again. <laughs> They're living my like. I'm so now I'm like, okay, I got to live vicariously through this. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Really great ideas and really cool stuff. So how did oh, the Bad dude. Sabbath thing come come about? So uh, we can't even take credit for it because we got asked. To do it, I think because we're known with sabotage, and then also like we've done a lot of covers because we just think it's fun. Uh, so we we're known as a band who's like up for doing a fun cover. Mm-hmm. But the sabotage thing led to a Sonosphere Festival in the UK oh, yeah. asking yeah. us to do a cover set. So they were like, "You'll play your normal set, and then uh, after Slipknot on like whatever Sunday night, if people want to still party." You will, you'll just do your cover set. But you're like, they were like, you can do any band you want. Do Pantera, ACDC, Black Sabbath. And we were like, oh, we'll do Sabbath. That'll be so easy. There's four of us. And then we started learning those songs and we we're like, this is super hard. <laughs> right. So we originally learned uh, a well, half vocally hour. Too, it's very different for Dude, you. Dude, it's so different for me. Because it's like singing, more singing. Yeah, and it's high. Yeah. And I mean, my voice is kind of high already, but like Ozzy hits some like serious notes. Yeah. So it took like a lot of like really like figuring it out. Um, when you st- when you like recorded that stuff and everything, was it? We had were you a little it. like was it nervous? For no, you doing because it we were so we only had one day to do it. So when we mm-hmm. recorded those like songs, we just did them live off the floor. Oh, cool! And we just like banged it That's out. Good. Um, and we had toured it like that was a couple years or maybe at least a year after. But the coolest part, okay, this is the raddest part about this the Bat Sabbath thing was that so we had never planned to do it after that either. So we played Sonosphere Festival. It was like the end of a tour. We played Sonosphere Festival. We did the Bat Sabbath set and we we're like, that was so sick. And people filmed it. This was like early two thousand nine. So oh, this is that was that long like, ago? Wow. So it was early like camera phones. So people made like camera phone recordings of that set and it was like obviously like packed tent. It was so cool. And we got on a plane and we flew back to Canada. And by the time we landed, we had like offers like to do Bat Sabbath shows everywhere. Cool. And we were like, this is so sick. And it was like fun. Like people being like, let's put it in a hundred cap bar. Like let's just put it in like small spots. But we had like you know like december in canada was like booked to like play like oh dude this is sick come to my bar and so we're like oh bad sabbath is like a thing and that's where it's just like slowly built like you know when we've had downtime people are like oh well we could you know is cancer bats available and we're like nah but they're like we could do a bad sabbath show and so like over the last like seven you know years eight years like people have like gotten into it and like learned about it and now bats or cancer bats fans know that like 
it's going to be a different version. So now when we play, the shows are like busy and they're like kids vibing and like it's a party. It's like a, a bat show, not like a Black Sabbath cover band, which is really sick and like is very cool. Kind of. Yeah. I love how things have like progressed. So this when we took a year off. Uh, we were just like, I guess let's play like some Bad Sabbath shows. We found out Mikey was going to have a baby. I was like, dude, we, we need to make some money. Let's play some Bad Sabbath shows. And again, that just like organically, like people found out about it. The tours got like, originally we were going to do three or four shows. Then it became like a Western Canadian. Yeah. And then like, then we booked a week in the UK. Those all like went crazy, so we ended up booking two weeks in the UK. Like cool. everything so cool. is just kind of like snowballed into like in a really fun, yeah. Like just like not us trying to push it. It's just people being like, we're into this vibe. But it, it's a good. It really works though. I mean, not just because Black Sabbath is like a, an amazing band with great songs that have stood the test of time, but because your style of music just really lends itself yeah. to those songs too. And I think it's because we're we're genuinely all having fun yeah like i think that's the side of things that like i think we all are into and i think people who show up to the show are just like it's everyone just being sabbath fans together right and like there must be some people though that that uh don't even know them and are fans of you guys and which like is now like yeah, yeah which yeah. is really weird but there's a huge generational gap oh between kids. your fans and yeah. people because i don't know i, I even for me uh, and we're about the same age. I'm 37. I think you're 38. Mm-hmm. And like when we were kids, like Black Sabbath was still old person music. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it wasn't contemporary. You and know, they've had like those points where it kind of like goes up and down. But it, oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's crazy. I think especially with them announcing the farewell, <laughs> like right. that was like again just a huge time and place for us doing a Black Sabbath cover band. Totally. Also, everyone is just like nostalgia going back and jamming these shows. So it was like, or jamming these songs. So when it came to like doing a show, like we did two nights of the Cobalt in like Vancouver, and it was like, so what cool. with our Black Sabbath cover band? So cool, yeah. But my favorite part, the thing that I still think is the funniest, is like when there's kids, there's like diehard like Pitmaster like Cancer Bats fans who will just stand at the back and they're just like, I just know that you play four Cancer Bats songs as an encore. So I'm just waiting, man. Wow. And they're like, there's been a few, like, in Edmonton, there was a kid who was just like, I hate Sabbath, man. I'm just here to like, what? I hate Sabbath? <laughs> like, who says that? I was like, this is so funny. Well, I'm surprised you guys don't play, some, like, a, you know, encore with some Bad Sabbath songs at Cancer Bats show. Yeah, I some mean, people probably would want to see that, too. And there, there has been, like, when we toured in Australia in 2015, because we hadn't done uh, any Bad Sabbath there, yeah. we were doing it in the middle of our set. It's cool. Um, it is. It's really rad. I, I kind of like keeping it separate. Sure. Not just to have it as like a, a biz thing, but I think because it it's like such a different vibe of a show. And I think people, when it's like Cancer Bats is a little bit more ripping the pit. And going to a Sabbath show, people want to like smoke a bong for like four hours yeah. leading up. you know it, does, it <laughs> know, has a I, yeah. it has a very different energy totally I think by the time we get to the four Cancer Bat songs at the end people are like ripping but it definitely like feels you know different totally man totally so uh, uh, one last thing I guess before I let you go um, you got six albums career band you've done so much stuff I was wondering if I could get you to rank your albums I don't know if you've ever done it before no 
uh, I thought it'd maybe be kind of fun to think back over the last uh, 13 years and and the records and where they kind of stand in your mind. Um, which you know ones you're most proud of, which ones you've changed, or uh, if yeah. you could if you could give me the top six. Top six. I know I'm putting you on the spot a little. No, bit, I but. really like that because now I'm like I'm because yeah, there's there's a lot of like stuff that. Yeah, that you think about, like in terms of your albums. I think especially it's a lot with, of material. You know? Yeah, you guys are banging it out pretty. You know, and like same with you guys. Like, oh I mean, sure, to, yeah, oh, like sure. to think about like what, like yeah, what was going on at different points in your lives, and like mm-hmm, yeah, like I mean, just because our record, like Birthing the Giant, obviously was like our first record. Yeah, but like I don't consider that like our perfect album. But would you rank it your worst? Yeah, I don't see, know. See, it's hard. A lot of bands will Worst say... Worst is a tough one. Well, you're right. But, you know, I guess you, you figure, though, like... And it's the kind of thing, like... I mean, you don't want to, like... It's kind of like picking a favorite child. You yeah, know, yeah, you know? yeah. Everyone did its own thing, but there's got to be ones where you're like, you know what? This record just didn't do it or doesn't didn't hold up over the years or we don't play that many songs from it live for whatever yeah. reason. I mean, for me, definitely, like, I would say Hail Destroyer, like, was, like the record where it like all kind of came together. Yeah. Like it was where we had that confidence to like, kind of like move forward and do the band that we had set out to do. So I do think of that as like, that would be my number one. Okay. And even just like, especially having gone back and been like, yo, like pneumonia Hawk, you know, shillelagh, like there's some jams on the first record that I really like. Yeah. But I'm like, when we figured out how to write a song and when I figured out how to write lyrics that were like important and like really like to the point and meaningful was like on Hail Destroyer. And there's still like those songs that like resonate for me that like I still feel like heavy emotion from and that like resonate with people. And I'm like, that is so sick. And there's times when I'm I'm trying to figure out how to like recreate that, and I think it was like the perfect combination of like being borderline homeless, like living on the road, like all of those things that you can't recreate that we right. just were able to inject into that. Like we're jamming for twelve hours a day in like a practice space. We're across the hall from Rammer. Like that probably had influence. Right. Rammer's yeah. like a Toronto like you know metal band. We had tons of people. Being like, this record's too heavy, like, nobody's gonna get into it. And I was like, fuck everyone. Like, this record's, like, this record's sick. I know Hail Destroyer is gonna rule because we were already playing it live. So I was just like, fuck what everyone's saying. We were originally gonna sign, like, a deal with, like, like, Roadrunner, and they were just like, no, like, we're not into this record. And I was just like, fuck those guys. Not fuck those guys, but I was just like, whatever it doesn't matter like this record's gonna crush and so i think because of all that that like loaded into it and it like that kind of like gamble paid off yeah because like once we put out hail destroyer like our entire lives changed like all touring all everything was just like oh now like we're ripping here we go and like things are sick so there you go so that's number one that's my number one all right let's keep it going i would say the second one then for me is dsol dead set on living dead set on living uh which we put out bears mare scraps and bones yep which i think was a lot of like figuring things out i think there's some rad songs on that it's always hard when you follow up your most successful record dude because you're like what do you do you can't do the same thing again but you got to come up with, you know, and I think a lot of times the follow up to your most successful record 
is often for bands can be a bit of a misstep. And in our in our case, it is. Yeah, I definitely like. I think there's rad songs, but I think there's also a lot of people who are. You're getting a lot of whispers in your ears mm-hmm. from a lot of people, and a lot of different things are going on. And I think when nobody cares about your band, it's so much easier to just like get down to it yeah. and write the songs that you want. Yeah. When you have like all these people being like, you know, you should write a hit, right? And you're like, what? Or they're like, you need to write Hail Destroyer Part Two. And you're like, I don't even know how we wrote Hail Destroyer Part One. No, so it's a per- it's a perfect storm, and yeah, you can't ever recreate a record. I don't think because every record you're in a different place in your life. And different, there's different yeah. things at play, you know. And I think, I mean, again, like Bears is Bears is sick. I love Sleep This Away. Like, there's tons of songs on that. I think I would have changed like some of the. I would have had like again the 40 minute clause. I would have had like less songs on it. <laughs> right. But Jeez. when it came time for us to do Dead Set on Living, it was like again like yo, that record also we come through like a lot of harsh stuff. So I feel like Bears is really like a heavy, dark album uh, that was dealing with a lot of things that were, came from, you know, playing 300 shows a year and being like kind of burnt out. Whereas yeah. Dead Subtle Living was like a uh, like, yo, we're a positive band. We're partying. We're having the best time of our lives. We love doing this. Like this is us like writing bangers. And again, I'm, I'm like, oh, I love that record for like everything that that was like writing songs like old blood road sick like you know bricks and mortar like so many songs that that were are really important and again it was being like yo we we didn't just like fluke it right with like writing hail destroyer well right and then dead set on living you had a longer tour cycle because you, you you took three years before your next record after yeah so um, we we toured that one hard because yeah. again it, it like hit people really yeah. psyched um and then writing Searching, like I really like Searching too. I think Searching is sick. But again, I think sometimes, dude, life gets the better of you. And like that record's really dark. And I totally understand that sometimes you're not paying attention to it. But you don't mean to write like a really like heavy album. You just have to do it as like an emotional frame of mind. Right. Because I was like, if I didn't write that record, I probably would have just like, we would have just broken up. Like, that record was, like, really important in terms of, like, cathartically dealing with so many of these things. Like, the deaths of our friends. Like, the idea of what we were even doing as a band. Like, all of that stuff, like, had to happen. We wrote a song about three of our friends dying, and then, like, Dave Brocky from, like, Guar died. Yeah. And I was just like, what is even happening? You know what I mean? We're having, like, another memorial song, like, on our, like, album. But I was like, that, I just... I can't process anything right. else. Yeah, so it's a record you had to make at the time. I had to make at that time. Yeah. And again, like, I think it's really important, but again, I would I would put the new record as, like, our third, like, if I'm in that right, order. Right, right, Because I'm just like, this is us back to being, like, things are good. So every other, okay, every other Cancer Bass record is good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think they're really sick. I think they're really <laughs> sick, but I think there's times that, like, I'm a super emotional person, and I feel like there's times when I'm, like, I'm maybe selfishly using this art to like deal with some of these things. And then when we go out and tour it, we realize that like, that's not completely who we are. And that there's those parts where we have like these heavy dude, when we put out bears, like people thought I was like suicidal. 
Because, like, yeah. some of those lyrics are so heavy. And I was like, they're not a metaphor. I'm just talking about being tired. <laughs> <laughs> and I had tons of kids just be like, dude, this record is so dark. Like, wow. that song, the suicide song that you start the album with is so dark. And I'm like, it's not about suicide. Wow. But I was, like, yeah. looking at it being like, but we're in this position where, like, we can't go to the kid's bedroom and explain the lyrics to them. So when I'm, like just being like so bummed out and i'm writing about being like just crushed by life this kid is like yeah me too sure and i'm like then that was a huge like eye-opener for me of course but then i still did the same thing with searching so (laughs) right well you gotta i mean you have to express yourself and yeah like that's just the way it is okay so let's recap we got um, okay so destroyer Destroyer, dead set on living dead set on living uh spark Spark the the moves And then we have uh, well, there's there's birthing the giant, your first record, uh, searching for zero, zero and uh, bears, mare, scraps, and bones. So then I would do like, I would do searching fourth, bears fifth, and birthing first. Okay, because to me, birthing was just like we had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> yeah. But you were birthing the giant quite literally, which is sort of we were a funny pushing out this like beast that you that here we are 13 years later you're still doing it. Yeah. Did you think at that point when you were making that record that you were going to have a career like this? I mean, it's I know it's a hard question to answer, but I think by that by the time we had we had, were in the studio with birthing and I think because we had seen like Comeback Kid were blowing up, obviously like yeah. Alexis were working on Crisis. At the same time, you guys had been, like, crushing the states. Protest yeah. was, like, blowing up. Yeah. We kind of felt like we were part of this team. And we had, you know, Alexis being like, finish your record on this date so we can take you on tour. And Billy Talent being like, finish your record because yeah. we, we love you guys and you guys are awesome. And there was a lot of all of us kind of, like, coming together. So I, I kind of was like... I think if we make something really cool, we can like run with and all of our buds. And you were right. Yeah, and it, and yeah. luckily, I'll say like Eric Ratz, Kenny Long, Gavin Brown. Like Gavin Brown taught us so much about songwriting, and like me in particular, like how to just like cut through all the bullshit. So I always joke about this, and maybe you like have found this before. Like the producer who works on the record never gets credit for the record afterwards. Right, but I like never, I've never thought of that but absolutely dude everything i learned about songwriting is from gavin brown and then i injected all of that knowledge into hail destroyer right so like i credit like gavin brown with helping me write that record so much because all of the lessons that he was giving me were like in the last week of doing birth in the giant so it was that record was already done when we were were trying to figure it out he was like editing french immersion into like a kick-ass song but like we were only able to like learn that lesson and then apply it to another song that we wrote for Hale. But he doesn't get any credit no, for that. No. You know? I've never thought about that, but it's, it couldn't be more true. And then the exact same thing I would say with Ross Robinson. Like we, right, yeah. we worked with Ross Robinson on Big searching. Name producer. Dude, a genius. Like amazing person, like ignited our souls, like the best dude. So much of what he taught us, we injected into uh, Spark That Moves. Yeah. Like so much and so much that we learned from rats so much that we learned from Gavin and that's why I'm like this record rips because we've like basically just like paid attention to what all these like really rad people 
you know, have totally have like imparted on us. Well, you're still making great records and great oh, music, and thanks. you've you've learned and you've grown. Which I mean, a lot of bands, you, you, you know, you get down to record number five or six, and like it can sometimes it gets a little embarrassing. Yeah, and you're you and know? you run out of ideas, or or they just or you run out of you're distracted. There's too yeah. much in your life, and you 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 still have to put in the time, um, like you did on record number two, on record yeah. number six. You can't just phone it in or it's going to sound phoned in. Oh, totally. But I think it's looking at those other bands, like looking at late era Deftones and late era Clutch albums and late era, oh, yeah. you know, like where they're still pushing ideas and oh, yeah. those are some of my favorite records. And Absolutely. you're like, sick. You know, like that's... But I that's think what, what you want because as, as a fan, a, a long you know career band, you don't want... As a fan, I mean, you want to be like, I'm going to buy this record because I know it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Because oh, the last dude. four records have been awesome. And you're never worried that your your favorite band's going to let you down. Yeah. Because the heartache that is when you like put that record in, you're like, oh, dudes, what happened? Yeah. Because we, we all it's have those. We all have those. We've all bought those records. Yeah. And it's a bum out. And that's why I'm like most. You got one. You got one most disappointed you've ever been in a record as a fan. As a fan. Ah. Uh, I can't think of one off the top of my head. I can't really either, actually. I was asking you, thinking, like, I don't even think I have an answer. You're like, will this guy go there? Will he get harsh? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean... I do... I will say that the one thing that I was thinking of in terms of, like, a late era, we really got pumped on... And I'm gonna... I'm gonna forget the name of the record, but it just, like, kind of came to me. The... When Poison the Well came back... Uh And they had was it called Versions? Yeah, with like the iceberg. Yeah, it was like more of a punky kind of yeah, record. Yeah, I like that record. It had tons of energy and like sounded super raw yeah. and like was really gnarly. And they were like back to crushing, like as like a live band. I was like, I remember we played a bunch of shows. Like we toured with you guys too. Actually, it was like so. Remember we played in like in Joplin, Missouri. Oh yeah, and we it, yeah, it was, we was like we played that. in we that were skate out with park. Poison well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I remember just being like, man, you guys are like such a career band that you're now just like ripping it up and like doing this like super fun and like energetic record. It's so like kind of late in your career. Yeah. And I remember being like having that imparted on me and being like, just like, just cause you know, you were doing one thing doesn't mean you can't still like be this rad energetic band. And I was like, no, totally. Yeah. Th- that was sick. Totally. And Dude, like, that Joplin, Missouri show at the skate park, I think it was Joplin, Missouri, it was one of the shows that we played in a skate park. Yeah. I was like, this is this, you guys like brought up like a soldier, a dude came and ripped a song with you. Really? A soldier? Yeah, like a military dude came and like ripped an entire song I don't with remember you. that. I just remember being like, "This show is so nuts!" And there was like a thousand kids. Uh, there, was, there was like a like a lot of bands played. Yeah, it like was Bad like Cities a... Burn played. Wow, that's you crazy. guys played. I want to say Alisana was maybe like when they that's first very started. Possible. I remember that that day I was very sick. Oh, okay. And I walked to. I shouldn't have been walking anywhere, but I went to like a CVS or something to, yeah. to pick up something. And it's funny I'm talking about this and I'm sick now. And I went. And I was walking and I didn't feel so good. And I had to like sit down on the way, like on the ground, because yeah. I thought I was going to pass out. Oh, dude. And I got into the CVS and I was like, you know, like the lights are really bright in there. Yeah. And I I was just sitting there like looking at stuff and I had to go outside and puke. 
Ugh. and then come back in and buy my shit. So maybe that's why I don't remember that show very well. <laughs> Because I was like, I was You're very like, sick. I, brought, I, just I don't remember you, someone playing with us. I just but. remember you saying that like this dude emailed me and he had said like uh, oh. that this song, he has a tattoo and this song like helped him get through like Afghanistan or it was like a really oh, heavy. Shit. And then you were like, so you can sing this song with us. And he was like, sick. And had like a really powerful really? voice. Wow, I can't like, really remember this. Dominated the whole set. Maybe it was a dream. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyways, but yeah, yeah, cool gigs. That was 2007. So okay, okay. I just remember because it was we were playing on the way down to us both being on tour with Rise Against for that like leg of the Rise yeah. Against Comeback Kid. Absolutely. But I don't think Comeback Kid played those shows. No, no, they didn't. But it was you guys were like, oh, we're gonna play like five or six shows down. Yeah, there we always if you want to jump do, on. We always used to do stuff like that, and we we're like, oh, okay, sick, cool we, man. We gig. Dude, we this gig. has been a fun. This has been great, man. I, uh, I just looking at my notes here. If there's anything else that we're missing, we're missing. But I think we covered a lot of shit. Yeah, What's dude, going I like on? that ranking question. That's yeah, you know, I've never done good. it before. I never Real asked talk. that. I've never really? asked anyone that before. Uh, yeah, no. So I thought it would. I hope would be, I did I thought it, it made sense for for you know for your band. I'm not going to ask somebody with three records to rank their records, but they'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it makes makes more sense in that case. You're like album two and then album one. Yeah, I like the new record. Yeah. It's the best thing we ever did. Oh yeah, don't you don't say. Uh, but but what's not going on next for you guys? Uh, obviously, you're continuing to the UK where you've had a lot of success. Um, and then what's going to happen after that? We still have a ton of touring on this record. Um, so way more than we actually thought. Uh, well, the record's only been out for six months. It's only been yeah, it's only been out since April. But again, we were just sort of like maybe now that we're kind of older, we're not going to tour as much. And Mikey, our drummer, he has a kid. He's going to have a second kid. And then again, kind of in like classic Bats fashion, just like the response has been way more than we thought. So yeah. we're like back to full touring. <laughs> so we have all like right. we have like all of next year like being booked up. Cool. Um, to play all over the place. So, so people can expect to uh, yeah, find like out, hear more, about that stuff pretty soon, I guess? Yeah, yeah, I think like we'll probably be rolling it out like in the next like month or a couple months as we're booking it. But Awesome. Yeah, super soaked. The world, we're coming for you. <laughs> thanks, thanks for doing this, man. Dude, I'm Appreciate so stoked. It. This is so fun. Oh, you know what? I'll ask you one more thing. Um, I always play music at the end of the show. Oh, okay. You got a song you want to rip for the people to hear? Uh, you got one from maybe your favorite Cancer Bats album, maybe your new record. Oh, oh yeah, I guess we could do that. You know what? I literally the Wi-Fi password uh, for this venue is refuse resist. Uh, refuse Sepultura. I was like, dude, we should play Sepultura. I, I totally thought. I totally <laughs> thought of that too. Like well, I was like, sick, yeah. Man. It's like it's like that that like Brazilian Rob beat. Yeah. yeah, it's been in my head. Yeah, it's been stuck in my head since <laughs> I put it into my phone. So I think it's only fitting for us to listen to Sepultura. Uh, I'll, I'll rip a little Sepultura at the end. But what Cancer Bat song do you want? Um, oh man, what should we play? I'd love to have Max Cavalera on the show. By the way, oh dude, he would have stories for days. Oh my god, we can yeah. link that up. I'll give you Gloria's email. Okay. Yeah, dude. Sure. They're down. That whole family's chill. They're Sweet. super cool. Sweet. Have uh have him and his son, dude. Have I all those kids. Know he had a, a, yeah, a, yeah. He has a whole bunch of kids. Oh, cool. Yeah. Are they like they're playing music? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They yeah. they Insight is one of his son's bands, and Lodi Kong is his other son's band. Okay. Yeah, we've like done a bunch of stuff with that that nice. camp. Maybe we'll save that for the next episode. No, but uh, Cancer Bat songs. I would say um, we wrote this is off the new record. Yep, uh, a song's called "Space and Time." Space and Time. It's like 
I I really love it. What about know. if you love so much? <laughs> I, really I just like, really love it. Here it is. I just really think it's fun. It, for <laughs> me, I really love it because it's literally me doing like almost every vocal style I'm like possibly capable okay, of. Okay, cool. So it's like, that's like a real range. Right. Well, that's great. Well, everyone's going to hear the song right now. So here and it is. Judge me. Space uh, and Time by the Cancer Bats, followed by some sepulcher. I don't know. Maybe Refuse Play Resist. Refuse Resist. All right, I'll play it. Do it. Let the people know. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, man. Dude, this is so sick. Cheers. Yes. guy one of my favorites thank you so much liam for doing this and always i want to remind you guys if you want to get in touch with me it's very easy you can send me an email 
ShaneTold at gmail.com. We're also on all the social media, you know, Instagram, Twitter. Look us up on there. Facebook, of course. Don't sleep on Facebook. Lots of good stuff happening there as well. And, of course, if you want more more bonus episodes and stuff, check out the Lead Singer Syndrome All Access Club. I'll give you the link for that. LeadSingerSyndrome.com slash all access. One more time, please check out CalFund.org. Make a donation. We're going to be doing a lot of great things here together for a really, really important cause for something so terrible going on in the great state of California. I said I'd do it, so I'm going to play it. Here's some Sepultura. Why not? Chaos AD. I'm Lead Singer Syndrome. Peace and love. We'll see you next week. <laughs>